Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. This morning, guys, we're going to cover verses 5 through 12. 5 through 12 in a message. Now check this out. I've decided to title it, What Do I Pray For When... Dot, dot, dot. What do I pray for when? Okay, and I'm going to give you more information as we go. And you're probably thinking, what do I pray for when, Pastor? Like what? And again, that's what we're going to find out. If you're taking notes, you can also write down turning trials into triumphs. Trials into triumphs. Now, um, as you make your way there, you're already there, but um, the book of James, guys, is the New Testament version of Proverbs. It's about wisdom, and uh, we're going to see a lot of good wisdom. Now, what we need to understand is James doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells it just like it is into our hearts, and so um, he's wanting us He's wanting us to grow up. So um, that's where we are. I'll let the I'll let the sound team do this to me or this if we if we got a good feed. If not, we'll just we'll just go on. Jeez, God's here. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you today for your great love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your um just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh mercy and and compassion towards us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're gonna do here today. Lord. I want to settle my heart down. Father, we always want to deliver a good product to people who are watching online and, and all, of, all of that. But Lord, right here, let's set our hearts back here and what you have for us today. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I was thinking about gold the other day. And did you know that gold is one of the most valuable materials on earth? Gold, and you go. Why were you thinking about it? Well, Cordelia and I were uh, out shopping um, this past Christmas season, and she looked down, and there was this this little. Um, it looked like gold, you know, it's probably pyrite or something. And she was so excited. It's like, could it be, Grandpa? Could it be gold? And I love the heart of a child that that believes everything. And it was just shining. It was nice, and it looked like gold. And it got me thinking how how that happens, but. But gold, when you think about it, even in the last days, it's been used for centuries as money. But I don't know if you know this. It, it, it also has many other uses in, in industry, like manufacturing and really even spaceflight. One of the traits that makes gold so useful is that it can be shaped to form, basically form so easily. In fact, a single ounce of gold can be flattened, guys, to cover about 300 square feet, a single ounce. You're like, wow. But if you were to, like Cordelia, find a piece of gold or, or gold ore dug out of the ground, it, it's not really pure gold. It has a lot of other elements that has to be removed prior to it being useful, if that makes sense. The refining process for gold It involves intense heat. Gold melts, listen, at a temperature of almost 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, it's not like, well, it's 85, it's 100. Over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, it begins to melt, and an incredibly high temperature is required for gold to what? To be ready to be used. The Christian life that James talks about involves much of the same process. I don't know if you knew this, but sometimes as believers, we are surprised when bad things happen to good people. When, but scripture, guys, the word of God tells us that fiery trials are a part of God's refining process in our lives. Sometimes in our spiritual walks, the Lord turns up the heat. It wants to refine us so that we can be used for his glory. But rather than griping and complaining complaining when trials come, we should rejoice and think of the end result that they would produce. 
Now, the reason I share the story about gold with you is because I believe the Bible teaches us, listen, trials have a purpose. Every trial, every tribulation, everything, they have a purpose. And I believe it's God's part of his refining process. And today, you and I, we're going to discover that part of growing up spiritually can be difficult. And in those difficult times, I have one question to be, one question to you. When you struggle and you have difficult and you have trials, how's your prayer life in that point? How's your prayer life? And you go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, think about it like this. When trials, persecutions, afflictions, you and I, we deal with these all the time. But I don't know about you, but I like it when my life is on cruise control and things are going really good. I like it when I see a four-lane highway and I got the music going and it's just like, this is how I like my life. And I don't like any trial or tribulation or I don't like anything to get in my way. I like the smooth road. I don't want a pothole and I don't want an animal jumping out in front of me and I surely don't want police chasing me. I want the open road. Come on, can anybody help? Can anybody relate? That's life. That's life. But when those trials come, when you're in your Winnebago or your cruise and you have it on cruise control and you're sitting there at 72 and you're just having a great time and the music's and all of a sudden you hear, and now you're going, oh no, oh no. I got a question. What do you pray for at that point? What do you pray for? Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, think of James, right? And when you think of James, think of old camel knees. Old camel knees, why? Because James knew as a man of prayer. And old camel knees taught us, guess what? He taught us to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. Now, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Here's something you need to know. Number one, we know that we will all face trials. We will all face trials. Again, think about this. What I don't like is when trials just pop up out of nowhere. When we face trials, most believers will pray and ask for prayer in the midst of those trials. Hey, bro, can you pray for me? Hey, will you pray for me? Hey, pray. What's going on, man? I'm, I'm just going through some stuff right now. Hey, would you pray? And, and, and I'm so glad you do. I'm so glad you do. But my question is, what do we pray for when we're knee-deep in the midst of a trial? So I thought, why not go and ask the internet, what, what, what do people pray for in the midst of a trial? You want to know what the number one most requested prayer is? You ready? Dear God, please get me out of this. That's the number one. If you do, I promise to, come on now, I think, I don't know if I'd be going out on a limb, every one of us have maybe prayed that prayer in just a moment, dear Lord, get me out of this, if you do, I promise I'll serve you, I promise I'll go to church, I promise. (laughs) That's the number one. In other words, you and I are asking God to take away this trial, just take it away, get me out of this. But I found something else very interesting. The, the, the second question, uh, was, or the close second, if you will, was a question to God asking him not to take it away, but the close second was, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? I didn't lie. I didn't steal. I didn't cheat. I didn't, I'm, I'm just, just doing me, and I'm not sure why I'm in the midst of this. And that was the close second. Now, I want you to jot this down somewhere that you can read it and remember it because I think it's a great principle to grasp. As believers, you ready? Jot this down. As followers of Jesus, you need to understand. Ready? Here it is. We're not under wrath, but under his mercy. We're not under his wrath, but we're under 
his mercy. Why is that good? Because so many believers feel like they're under the wrath of God. I don't know what I did. I can't believe it. Why does God not like me? Think about it like this. In Romans chapter 9, verse 23, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. He does this to make the riches of glory shine even brighter on those whom he shows mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory. And you go, Pastor, what this? Now catch this. I know this sounds simple. I know it sounds simple. But I've noticed that there within the body of Christ, let something go bad. Let someone get sick. Let those, let, 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 let us lose our job or our marriage gets tough. And almost all of us will downshift into that default that God is somehow angry with me. And if I would have just done better, or if I could just do more, then God would stop being angry with me. Let that sink in for just a moment. You see, for some reason, a lot of times we, we feel like we're designed, once we get saved, to, to not ever have a trial or a tribulation or ever have a single difficulty. That, that we have been taught by pastors and preachers and churches and internet and televangelists that, man, once you give your life to the Lord, bro, once you give your life, everything is going to be great. You're going to, it's going to be amazing. You're going to find the men of your dreams. You're going to, you know, remember your dog ran away last year? It's going to come back. You're going to, and that's what they teach us. And, 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 and we, oh, okay, so being a Christian means it's just going to be, I'm going to have a great life. And, and then let something go wrong. And immediately, we feel like God's mad at us. What did I do? Come on now. Come on, somebody. How many of us go back in our mind and can pinpoint something we said or did and go, oh, well, that's why. I, I sinned over here. And we use this term. God is punishing me. And yet... It was the cross of Christ that took the punishment for our sins. So what's God doing? What's God doing? See, James, James, guys, the half-brother of Jesus tells us, you will go through some hard times. Now, I don't like preaching this. Why? Because, again, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to have to live this. He says, you'll go through some tough times. But what you need to remember is that you're under mercy, and when you cry out for God to take it away, or often ask, what have I done to deserve this? Well, let me share a quote with you that I found that I think will help. The quote is, and he, and still he seeks the fellowship of his people, and he sends them both joy and sorrow to detach their hands from the things of this world and attach their hands to him. Guys, that's what trials are all about. The things in your life, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you, but he wants you to get your hands off of a lot of things that are here on earth, are here on earth. And I want to remind you guys, just by way of reminder in our, bar, our Bible study, what, what James tells us under the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, he says, when you fall into, when you fall into, and this phrase does not suggest, oh, I tripped into a, an, into a trial. It was a stupid accident. He doesn't say that. Remember, it's not like you have no job, no money. You don't got nothing coming in. You decide to apply for a credit card and max out the card on frivolous things. That's not what he's talking about. Can you imagine? You have no job. You have no income. You have zero. And somebody sends you a credit card like cha-ching. And then you go out and you max it out and you pay everything. And then guess what happens? The bill comes and you're like, I'm on a trial. The payment is $200. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. That's not what a trial is. That's not what a trial is. I'm being persecuted. The credit card company called me three. And sometimes they're relentless, aren't they? <laughs> not that I would know. Not that I would know. That's what, not that. <laughs> no, no. Some, they're, I mean... Man, they're like, hit man, I want my money. I want my money. I want my money. 
Well, what does it mean when you fall? When you fall into, what does it mean? Well, it's translated, guys, to encounter, to come across. Listen, there's a purpose for these trials. And last week, we talked about it. For the believer, James is telling us, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And today, he really wants to give us what we should pray for when we fall into those trials, what we should pray for. Well, the number one thing is, God, get me out of this. The other thing is we look self-centered. We look inward and we say, well, what did I do to deserve this? But what does God's word tell us that we need to do? And of course, looking at what we need to do, I've entitled the message, What Do I Pray For? When? And recalling what James told us last week, we learned three out of the four imperatives that were important in turning trials into triumphs. Remember, last week, James says you need to count it all joy. Count it. We have to have a joyful attitude. And we said outlook determines outcome and attitude determines action. Attitude determines action. Can I just say this? If you've ever gone into a trial, the enemy knows you so well and he knows which triggers and he knows which buttons to push that he knows exactly how to do this. Like I said, I'm not kidding when I say I really, I mean, I am a creature of habit. I like things to stay the same, all the same. Let's just, let's just have a good week. And then when something pops up, an unknown bill or something, that stresses me out. And the enemy knows that. And so he pushes that button and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, 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 and what he says is, no, 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 let's, let's do this. Outcome, outlook deserves, determines outcome, excuse me, and attitude determines action. Why? Because the word count is a financial term and it means to evaluate. How many of us take a step back and evaluate the trial we're in? How much do we evaluate? Okay, okay, what is God doing here? What is God doing here in my life? What does he want to accomplish? You see, it was Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 that says, check this out, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this blows me away. Let's keep it up there, Joseph, if you don't mind for just a minute. Because I want you to see this, okay? Tell me, church, what joy is there in the, in the cross? Oh, boy, I get to be crucified. Are you kidding me? Jesus, the author and finisher, he says, for the joy set before him. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got to be the joy that was set before him. That he's enduring the cross. Why? Well, again, what Jesus did is he counted everything all joy because he knew the final outcome. What was the final outcome? That he would reconcile us back to him. <laughs> That's joy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jesus was like us? Okay. In order to save Jeremiah, in order to save Abel, you have to go to the cross. Seriously? Yeah, you're going to have to endure. <sighs> I like him fine and all, but... <laughs> hmm. Is it going to hurt? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, you're going, to, you're going to invent a new word on the cross. It's called excruciating. Excruciating, wow. And, and, and who am I doing this for? Abel? <sighs> Jeremiah, mm. Can you imagine Jesus? I mean, Joe Mabry, oh. Okay, what am I going to get out of this, God? What? Oh, you get to reckon. Uh, <laughs> you see the point? But I want you to compact that into our trials. Guys, and we should do the same thing. We should evaluate. Now, our trials aren't the cross of Christ where we're being crucified and we're developing new words called excruciating. We're going through sort of trials and I think we need to develop in determining, you know, to have a joyful attitude. 
to have a joyful attitude. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. That's hard because you live in a negative world 24-7. Everything is negative. Everything is negative. Everything, you know. You've heard about this cold, right? We've heard about this cold coming for weeks. Not, nobody was ever like, oh, boy, it's cold. Hey, you, uh, Lubbock, Texas, get your jackets out. It's going to be a great day. It might be a little cold, but now they were like, okay, you better fix the faucets. You better make sure you don't freeze. You better do this. You better do that. It's going to be cold. Uh, get your long johns out. And it's so negative because we live in a negative world. But let's evaluate those things. We should count it all joy. Then James teaches us to know. And we should have an understanding mind. What do Christians know that make it easier to face trials and to grow from them? You ready? Number one, faith is always tested. Your faith is always going to be tested. And if you know that, you go. Number two, testing works for us, not against us. Not against us. And number three, trials rightly used help us mature. Now, look at me. If you don't want to grow up and you're a Toys R Us kid, you're not going to mature. You're not going to mature. And the tests and the trials are going to come up and you're going to fall into that same. And again, like I said, this is James saying, don't look at me. Don't be like, hey, no, this is James telling us it's time for us to grow up, to grow spiritually. Because he says the third imperative, he says, let, and we, we need to have a surrendered will. Why? Because God cannot build character and he helps us to grow spiritually. He, he can't help us grow spiritually without cooperation. You and I have to show up and say, I'm here. Let's go, Lord. Help, help me grow. Help me grow. See, God's goal for you and you and you and you and me is that our lives grow in maturity, that we grow and we mature spiritually, spiritually. Now, I want you to think about something. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if our children remain babies? You know, they just... Now, when I was thinking about this, I remember one time, Nathalie and I, we had had just come back from... Um, I think it was Dallas, and we had got home early afternoon, and um, I sat on the couch, and I turned on the TV, and I think it was Dr. Phil that was on, and so I stand, she wasn't feeling good, so she laid down, and I'm sitting there watching Dr. Phil, and one of the segments on Dr. Phil were grown men who still wear, who think they're babies, and still wear diapers and sleep in a crib. Not kidding. And nobody thinks that's weird? Doesn't eat food, just drink. This is how they think. And, and it's not a joke. It wasn't like, ah, uh, you're just, no, no, no. They showed this man. And nobody thinks that's weird. And yet, spiritually, I wonder how many of us who refuse to grow are going to follow into that same that same way. It blew my mind. I was like, you got to, this is, I, I can't believe people are like this. And so he gave us those three essentials last week. Now he's going to give us the fourth. The fourth one is here, picking it up in verse five in your Bibles, guys. Notice he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. First thing I want you to know, if you have a pencil handy, notice the word if. Circle the word if. Why? I want to ask you a question. How many of you lack wisdom? And I think we all do. We all lack wisdom. So before we get into asking, let's define wisdom. Wisdom is the Greek word sophia, and it, and it means wisdom, higher or lower, worldly or spiritual. And this sounds a lot like knowledge, but listen, There's a big difference. Why? Because someone once says, knowledge is the ability to take things apart, while wisdom is the ability to put them back together again. Can I get an amen? Men, how many of us know how to take things apart? Not a problem. (laughs) Now, putting them back with extra parts, that's the problem. Well, what are these screws for? 
I guess we didn't need them. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on. Let's be honest. None of you look at the instructions. You look at the picture like a puzzle and go, how hard can it be? How hard can it be? That's knowledge, right? And some of you are so good that you could do it like this, but what he's telling us is knowledge is the ability to take things apart, but wisdom is the ability to put them back together. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Knowledge, listen, is how you and I see things, but wisdom is how God sees things. Come on, somebody, that's got to that's ring deep. Why? Because I know when I go through a trial, I base some of it on knowledge and not wisdom. And not wisdom. So it's time to grow up. I've got to go, Lord, how? James says, here's how. You ready? Ask. Ask. You have to have a believing heart. Ask. Listen, church, we all lack wisdom. And so the Lord says, ask for wisdom. Remember at the beginning of our study, we asked, what was the most prayed for prayer when it comes to trials? You know what James tells us? Oh, no, no, no. It's not, it's not God, get me out of this. And, it, and, it's, and it's like, no, no, no. Oh, God, please, why are you doing this to me? I'll tell you what he tells us. He says, he says, when you fall into a trial, he says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. In the midst of what you're going through, church, Don't pray, get me out of it. Pray, God, give me wisdom in the middle of this. You ready? Let's try this. Whenever you go through a trial, say, Lord, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? So that's all we've got to ask him. Lord, give me wisdom. How can I grow? So if we're asking the Lord, why do I need, how can I grow? I've got to see, why, why do I need wisdom? When we're going through a trial, why wisdom? Because the human nature in me will go, why not, why not strength? God, I'm going through a trial, give me strength. Or God, I need to have grace on this. Lord, deliverance. I just need deliverance, right? When we're going through a trial and it involves other people, a lot of us pray like David, don't we? Lord, knock their teeth out. Just, just. Just knock their teeth out, right? Because I wouldn't be in this trial if that person, and, and, and we do this, but he says, no, no, no. I didn't ask you to pray for strength or wisdom or to knock their teeth out or anything. He says, he says, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Why? Here's why. Listen, we need God's wisdom to, so that we don't waste the opportunities he's giving us to mature. He helps us understand how to use circumstances for our good and his glory. Wow. Wow. It reminds me of a story. It reminds me of a story of a lady in church, and she had been married for many, many years, loved her husband to death. Her husband loved her many, many years, until one day, for some reason, this young man basically had a stroke and in the stroke, it created, he was blind and took him to the hospital. And, and uh, through a series of weeks and weeks and weeks in the hospital, the stroke eventually uh, took the man's life. And after all the dust had settled with this young woman, she comes back to church. And the church looked at her and assured her, oh, sweetie, we're so sorry for your loss. We were praying for you. We were always praying for you. We are praying for you. And to which she responds, she goes, okay, wonderful. What were you asking God to do? And of course, well, we were praying for healing and we were praying for you for strength in the midst of this. And she goes, can I ask you to pray about one more thing? Well, what's that? Pray that I'll have wisdom not to waste all of this. Because she understood James 1.5. Let's read it again, guys. If any of you lacks wisdom, what are we supposed to do? Let him ask of God, who gives all liberally and without reproach. You guys need to see that. And it will be given to him. What does he mean without reproach? 
Well, I like what Kelvin, the commentator, writes. He said, lest anyone should fear to come too often to God. Oh, I already asked him. For he's ready to add new blessings to the former ones with any, without any end or limitation. That's what Calvin says. Now, I want you to think of your relationship with God for just a moment. Think of your relationship with God. Sometimes we feel like we're bothering him. I've already asked him. I've already, I've already knocked on, on the door. And, and, and we take, we take the, the earthly part of us going, well, God's not, I mean, he's busy. He doesn't want to hear from me. And, and here's what he says. No, 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 no. Listen, when, when you're going down the, the road of life and, 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 and trials come up and, and you're, okay, God, I need wisdom in this. Please help me. He says, he, you can do it. He's going to give it to you. He says, Don't, without reproach. God's not going to put his hand on his hip and goes, not again. Are you serious? You were here just an hour ago. That's not God. That's not God. And I love that. Why? Because what you need to understand, guys, and you need to internalize in your heart is the generosity of God. The generosity. And he never despises or resents us for asking wisdom. And because he doesn't, that should encourage us to continue to ask, to continue to ask. And we need to understand that we serve a God with open hands and not a God of a clenched fist. You see, James tells us when you fall into various trials. So that means you might fall into a trial now. You might be, you might be on that cruise control like, like your, your life is good. Life is good, you know. Like Nacho said, really good. Life is really good. And you're having a great time. But there might be a trial come up. You grow a little bit. And then you're okay. And then you grow a little bit and you grow. But, but you don't just go, ah, oh, you know, I asked God for that wisdom. That was, that was huge. But this one's just a little. He says, continually ask, Lord, how am I, I going to grow? How am I going to grow? James said, guys, in the midst of trials that we should ask for wisdom. So now he describes how to ask. You ready? Verse 6. This is how we should ask. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. Did you catch this? Did you catch this? How should we should ask? In faith. Come on, church. How should we ask? our request for wisdom must be made like any other request in faith without doubting God's ability or, come on church, or desire to give us his wisdom. Let Let me say that. You're not catching this. You're not catching this. Our request for wisdom, God, give me wisdom, must be made like any other request by faith without doubting God's ability because we don't doubt God's ability. God, I know you can do it. Can I get an amen? How many of you believe that God can do it? You believe that with all your heart. Here's the problem. Desire. I know God can do it. I just don't know if he'll do it for me. And so we, we default back to the place, well, I haven't been a good little boy or girl. I haven't been really good this, this year. I haven't been good this. And so, and so again, it's, it, you've got to go, no, no, no. It's not about his desire. His desire is to give us that wisdom. Why? Because he wants to grow us up. He wants to grow. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but in the Christian life, we have what we call progressive sanctification, growing in God every single day, every single day. Now, the, the thing is, is you don't graduate until you die. So you're going to grow from, from right now till you die. And it, and it saddens my heart when I have people going, oh, oh, you're teaching that? Oh, I've been through Genesis 15 times. I already know it all. No, we're, we're continually should be coming going, Lord, how can I grow? I'm going to grow through his word, but I'm also going to grow through trials. I'm also going to grow through testing. There's going to be testing in my life. I've got to grow. Lord, how are you going to, how are you going to make this better? And here's the point. The point is God is looking at you and goes, man, I want to make you so, I want, to, I want you to grow so, I want you to mature. Oh, I have so much more for you. 
And what do we do? We go, oh, I don't want the trial. We learned last week. Do you remember last week? We all we all learned about patience. How many of us want patience? Right? None of you are raising your hand now. You're like, not me. I learned. I'm good. <laughs> we all we, we want to be more patient with people. Right? We don't want to sit at the grocery line going, hurry up. Hurry. We want to be patient. But what do we say? What do you say? You know how you're going to get patience? They're trials. Now, none of you prayed, Lord, give me more trials. Mm-mm. But James is telling us it's, it's time to grow up. So how do I ask? I have to ask in faith. In faith. With no doubting. See, this shows the kind of heart that we need in seeking God's wisdom from the scriptures. A heart that believes God's word and believes it speaks to us today. Church, do you believe the word of God is speaking to you today? I'm telling you the truth when I say, when you come to Bible study, you come to worship service Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whatever it might be, when you look into God's word, you think, oh, the pastor said this and the pastor said that. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. And I've had people come up to me and go, oh, that was so great. I like when you said this, this, and this. And I'm going, I didn't say that. I said, thank you, Lord, because you are speaking to your people. But you have to believe that. Why? Because if you doubt, here's the, here's the description. He says, if you doubt, he says, you're like a wave in the sea tossed by the wind. This is what it's like, and you guys know what that's all about. If you've ever been to the ocean, you know how the waves work, okay? There's a place in the ocean where you're sitting there, and it just seems to be really smooth. You're just like, hey, this is good. And all of a sudden, you look, and it's like, right? They get bigger and bigger and bigger. And he says, man, based on the, based on, on the wind and everything, this is, this is what it's like. See, James compares a doubting believer to the way the sea is up one minute and down the next. Ah, I don't want to do that, Lord. Because he tells us in verse 7, guys, for let not the man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The one who doubts and lacks faith should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This lack of faith and trust in God also shows that we have any foundation being unstable in all our ways. James, you, 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 really, you really mean this? Yeah. He says, so, so what does it mean to be a double-minded man? It's the man who asks God, but asks him in a doubting way. Come on, somebody. It's the, it's the man or woman who asks God, but doubt, in a doubting way. Guilty. Guilty. God, I know you can do this. I know, I know you love me. And then you whisper over to your wife, oh, I don't know if he will. Do you know that God loves you? Because of who he is, not because of who you are. Come on, listen. You ready? Ready? I can convict every one of you right now in a, in a second, convict you, just like that. Some of us standing going, man, no, me and God are good. I could just say, how's your prayer life? And right away you're like, oh, it's not as good as it should be. Have you talked to God today? Oh. See, I mean, that's it's so it's so we're we're not per, we're not there. We're not there. You go why? Because I can always say you can always pray more. I pray twenty hours this. I pray twenty hours today. You could have prayed twenty four. You go, Pastor. Your point. God loves us, and He hears us, and He walks with us, and He gives us wisdom based on who he is, not who we are. And so when you ask for wisdom, he's going, okay, 
okay? See, whenever you ask for wisdom in your trials, guys, don't doubt. Don't doubt. Say, Lord, I believe you're going to answer me. For your honor and your glory, I believe that you want to make this It's not easy for me up here to teach this because I know I wrestle the same way with that. I'll sit there and I'll listen and go, God, okay, this, this, oh, this trial's hard. This is tough. This is tough. And I'll, and I'll get a little, okay, I'm ready. And then I find myself overthinking. And then I fall back into that doubt and despair. So let me ask you a question. When it comes to trials, when it comes to trials, let me ask you a question. You ready? Doesn't it always work out? Aren't you, I mean, are you, does it like last forever? Trials always work out one way or another, doesn't it? Eventually you're like, okay. I mean, if you're like in a five-year trial, you know, a five-year long trial, like, let's talk because... You're not learning anything. But nonetheless, we, we go through trials and we grow. And we grow. But I want you to see, when he talks about the double-minded man, he's not talking about the man that we meet in Mark chapter 9. You guys remember the man in Mark chapter 9? You go, no, refresh my memory. He's the one that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's not, that's not a double-minded man, okay? He just wanted to believe, but he even declared his unbelief. And I've been there a lot of times. Lord, I believe, I believe. I Listen, in your heart, I believe. I mean, I believe, I, honestly. And then there are times where I said, Lord, help my unbelief. And yet his faith was a little weak, but it was not tinged with the double-minded men. The double-minded man goes, I'm going to ask, but I'm really not going to believe. So the question is, before we move on, do you believe? And when you're in a trial, well, how do you pray? Well, James says, now you need to pray with, for wisdom. Pray to grow. Pray to grow. But don't, don't doubt that God wants to grow in your life. He wants to mature you. He wants to see you grow spiritually. And so the imperatives that James employs is count it all joy, knowing, letting, and asking. And James gives us the what and the how to have victory over trials. Can you imagine if your trial that you oh, man, I'm in this trial. I'm in this mess. I'm in this circumstance. And then you go, Lord, give me wisdom. And the Lord gives you wisdom and you just believe it. And then now all of a sudden you're just like, woo victory. Wow. This is so cool. How'd you grow? Man, I grew a lot in this. I grew a lot in this. And then that same trial hits you six months later, you've already grown from it. You're like, hmm. Hmm. But I love James. Why? Because now he's going to give us a very practical way, okay? He's going to illustrate what it means to be practical. Look at verse 9 with me. He says, let the lowly... Brother, glory in his exaltation, but let the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower fails, falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. You go, James, what are you talking about? Well, let's read it in the New Living real quick. And we'll look at it on the screen on the New Living Translation. It says, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. Do you see that? They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Now, let's check, guys. What's James saying? Well, see, James employs both poor and rich in this illustration. He reminds the lowly to rejoice when they're lifted up by God. In turn, with the rich, they are to rejoice when the opposite happens. 
when they're brought down by trials. One commentator said this, and I quote, As the poor brother forgets all his earthly poverty, so the rich brother forgets all his earthly riches. By faith in Christ, the two are equal. End quote. Now, now catch the encouragement. James says, because the flower of the field, he will pass away. Do you guys see that? The flower of the field, okay? This will fade away like the flower of the field. You go, what does that mean? Well, here's some encouragement, and I just said it. You know, trials are to serve a purpose because of the flower of the field. Again, think about this. They're to serve a purpose and remind us that they're not going to last very long. They're here for a purpose. They're here for a reason. But it also reminds us that those who are very comfortable in life, that it's still only its life which fades away like the grass and the flowers. So the rich man will fade away from his pursuits. That's what he's saying. He's saying, really, think about this. Think about this, guys. He says, okay, so, man, you're in a trial. You're wanting to grow. He says, God uses all kinds of things. He uses all kinds of things. But James reminds us that if we, if we put our life and our identity into things that fade away, he says, we'll fade away as well. How much better to put your life and identity into things that will never fade? Never fade. It goes on to the last verse, guys, verse 12. James writes, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised to those who love him, to love him. Notice, guys, as James closes this section, he closes it with a beatitude. Blessed is the man. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle the word blessed because it means happy and approved by God is the man who endures temptation. Temptation. It almost sounds like one of Jesus' beatitude from Matthew chapter 5 through 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. But I want you to notice, not only in Matthew can we be blessed, but here in James. Why? Because he said, blessed are you who endures temptation. So I've got to ask, what does it mean to endure temptation? Well, temptation is one of those various trials we face. As we persevere through temptation, we are proved and will be rewarded, and the work of God in us is evident through our resistance through that temptation. In other words, you go, nah, I'm good. Hey, hey, remember how we used to have, hey, I'm, look at me. I'm having, I'm temptation, hey. Remember when we used to have fun? And you're like, that doesn't, that, I'm good. Guys, it's not a sin to be tempted. But James is later going to tell us that when we step over and, 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 and we allow it, and it becomes sin in our life. So, so a lot of us are being tempted. A lot of us are tempted. Hey, hey, come on. Miss Remember? And you go, Lord, give me wisdom. And the Lord says, hey, that's not worth it. You're growing up. Right. You're right, Lord. You're right. Yes. So what's the blessing? Guys, you get the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You get the crown of life. And I think, what an amazing blessing, like the crown of life. I truly, it's, it's, it's truly worth to endure. It's truly worth to endure. Now, let me take a step back because I, I look at the college students and I know, I know their hearts and stuff. And they're like, God, where is, I, I just, my whole life is ahead of me and I see all these things and I really, just endure. Just endure. Because the crown of life is so much better because we tend to look at, the world through what? Through just our own vision, our own our circumstances, our own experiences, and we're trying to make a judgment based on that, and God has so much more for us. So much more for us. You know how I know this, college guys? You know how I know? Because I have old guys in here too. And every one of us were like you at one point. Oh, we have this whole thing, and now we're, now we're, now we're a little bit older, and we're like, 
you know, God, you were faithful. You were faithful. It's almost like he knew us better than we knew ourselves. But I want you to see something before we, we, we land this plane. Okay, you ready? What I want you to see is what James is not saying. Look at it again. James is not saying that the sinner is saved by enduring trials. What's he saying is the believer is rewarded by enduring trials. Not saved. He's going to be rewarded. You're saved by faith, right? You're saved by grace through faith, through Jesus, period. But some people can go, oh, okay. Well, you know how you're going to get saved? Able, you're not going to get saved? You're going to get saved just by endure. Just endure, bro. Well, then that becomes works, doesn't it? And it's like, okay, I've just got to be good. I can't, I can't look at, I, no, I'm good. And, and he's not saying that. He's going, no, 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 guys, listen, here's it. He, here, here's the reward. You know what the reward is, ready, when you endure? That you grow in him. You mature in your walk with God, and you bring glory to God in your life as people all around watch. Wow. Wow. You know what the most attractive thing in you is? The Lord. That's the most attractive thing. You go, no, 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 it's the, it's the money right here. It's my, it's, <laughs> no, it's not. Why? Because what happens is this used to be up here, and now it falls down here. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> These used to be up here, now they're down here. The bot, I mean, this fades. Man. I sometimes look at my wife and go, who are you? No, I'm damn kidding. I'm kidding. Here's my point. The most attractive thing in you is Jesus. Because this eventually gets wrinkly. <laughs> I'm serious. Not like all my friends back in, you know, they're old. They look old. I'm just like, oh, you guys look old. So, so the point is, be more like Jesus. Work on you spiritually. I'm not saying don't work out. It's good, you know, Bible says, you know, bodily exercise profits a little. A little. Punch the bag, okay. But what's more attractive and what people want, and I'm not, talking, I'm, not, I'm not talking like romantically attractive. I'm going, wow, I like to hang out with Philip, man, because he just loves the Lord, and I just get pumped, man, hanging with him. He's just my bro. Man, I, I, I like when, when Keon challenges me. Man, that's just great. That, you understand that, right? That's, that's what we, and then, and then just like, oh, what a, what a beautiful sister, man. She's just smiling and she's just got so much joy. <laughs> that's the attractiveness. That's the attractiveness, guys. You're going to mature. You're going to bring glory. If people all around are going to watch that and go, yes. And then you're going to be granted the crown of life when Jesus returns. So all this in heaven too? Man, all this in heaven too. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so as we close, let me show you something. Let me show you something. Go back to 12 real quick because we're closing. We're closing, okay? He will receive the crown of life which the Lord had promised to those who, what's that word, church? Love him, love. You guys see that? And so my question is here, James uses the word to those who love him. And I was like, why, James, why? We, we would think that he would employ other words like those who trust him, those who obey him, those who honor him, those who respect him. But let me just give you this nugget as we close. You ready? Why does he use the word love? Here's why. Because love is the spiritual motivation behind every imperative in this teaching. Love is that spiritual motivation, teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves you. That's the motivation. That's the motivation. You can't do it without love. So what does James say? James says, hey, listen, here's the deal. God has promised all of this to those who love him. If I can take about 30 seconds of your time to ask you this question, just so you can think about it. Do you 
love God. Really love him. Sold out for him. You belong to him. Do you really love him? Because if you if you if you're staggering in those ways and a lot of those imperatives you're like, "Ah, oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go opposite." opposite. So my encouragement to you and to me, obviously, is take a step back. Go, Lord, Lord, show me. I really want to love you. I want to love you how you, how you want to be loved. I want to love you. And I don't want to look at trials like, you're being mean to me, or I deserve this, or I, I did something dumb. And I, Guys, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. Lord, with all of my heart, I want to, I just want to love you. You promised me this. How, how can I love you? Because if I love you, then I count, then I have a joyful attitude. Lord, thank you. Thank you. How was that trial? It wasn't fun. But God, he did a great work in me. I really believed. And I asked for wisdom. I asked for wisdom. And I'm growing more like him. Can I get a good amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, just so much. We thank you that the most attractive thing in us is you. We thank you, God, that, that Lord, that it can shine so bright. That people want to just, oh, Lord, if you'll do this for us, if you'll just let your fire burn inside us, people from miles around will come just to watch us burn. And we can be the light of Lubbock today. Lord Jesus, when we fall, when we face trials, God, we, we bow our knees and we ask without doubting, Lord, give us wisdom to grow in this trial, to mature in our faith, and to trust you all the more. every eye closed and every head bowed is there anyone here today by the sound of my voice that would say pastor would you pray for me I I'm not sure if I'm in a right relationship you were saying some things about God and trials and 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 I've got to be honest with you Ben I I don't even know if I'm saved like like I prayed this prayer one time but like nothing's changed in my life and I'm a little worried God but then you started saying some things and, and the Holy Spirit began to move in my heart. And, and, and listen, Ben, I, I want to be right with God. I want to be right. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that he's living and walking in me so I can ask for wisdom during those times that are hard. Lord, would you just, would you just, would your Holy Spirit just, just move on the hearts of those that need you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus completely, 100%, but today you say, yes, I'm going to make 2024 my year, the year of the Lord that I serve him. Today, listen, you came to, God followed you all the way to church and he's knocking on your heart. Well, Pastor Ben, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what people will say. I don't know. I don't know what they'll do, please. Listen, if you've never prayed this prayer or you've backslidden from God, but today you're hearing his voice, not mine, I want you to respond today. You go, Ben, what do I have to do? All you have to do is wherever you are, nobody's watching, nobody's going to be looking at you. All you have to do is go, Pastor Ben, pray for me. Just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand and say, Ben, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to God. God bless you, sister. I see you in front. God bless you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you're watching online, you can just lift up your hand. God sees you. That's the beauty. Please, please, our goal is so that you have a, in, in you, you're in a right relationship with God. If you lifted up your hand, would you pray this prayer in your heart? Would you, would you pray something like this? God, I'm sorry for my sin. Here I am, Lord, all of me, all broken. But Lord, I was told today that you fix things like me. 
and you'll fix my heart and you'll come and mend all the hurts that I have. Because Lord, honestly, I'm confessing you today. I believe with all of my heart you died on the cross for me. I believe with all of my heart you were buried and on the third day you rose. I believe that you went to heaven and you're interceding for me right now. I believe right now your Holy Spirit is doing that work. That's how I feel you in my heart. And so God, today I confess my sin. I'm going to repent of all those things that are not pleasing to you. I'm going to turn away from them. I'm going to follow you. I surrender my heart, my will, everything to you. But I need some help. Therefore, this is my ask. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord be my God, be my Savior, Lord, would you be my friend, for I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.